0: we're a team we're a team. If you don't want to be part of the team that's fine. We we'll, we can find somebody else that wants to be on this team. Cuz there's a lot of guys that are standing behind you. All
1: right you guys, I'm back. It's Mike Kinoki with the Contracting Handbook. We're gonna continue the conversation with Steve Basic, architect today. And we're going to start off about some ICFs and there's going to be some disappointed people out there. Yeah, and And in my
0: mind, it's twenty six, not fifty. You can effective this or an airtightness that. I really don't care about that. It's
1: Mm -hmm. I don't
0: care how you do the math. It is that simple.
1: One of my subs is going to be yelling at this podcast when he hears it. Then we're going to get into that builder architect relationship. When a when a builder disagrees with you with something in your design, for instance, building science, the contractor even client is not on board because the market doesn't support it. You know, you hear these arguments. What do you say? You know,
0: a couple clauses. One, we, we work together and solve this problem together. And two, once we solve it, we don't talk about it anymore.
1: And we've all made that mistake in the planning process of making assumptions about what your subs are going to do.
0: They were all, I just assumed that the plumber was going to center that on that wall or the electrician would center that light on this bay window,
1: the rewards of working with people, you know, and care about when it goes well. And it can be super rewarding to work with friends on when it can,
0: because when we both, you know, we're both, we're doing this Hilltop arrow project and we both have done a number of videos and uh, it'll be very rewarding to sit there and high five each other and say, yeah, we killed it. We did a good job. And you feel good about it.
1: And then you get those clients with the big ideas.
0: Hardest part is paying for it, which is one of my favorite comments, right?
1: And then something that people really don't understand between remodeling and new construction.
0: I mean, new construction is far easier to do, but
1: the remodeling
0: makes the mind work a little more.
1: And finally, the answer to the question you've all been waiting for. Okay, so why do architects insist on goofy eyewear? I hope this extra long intro didn't scare you off. My talk with Steve was so much fun. Please join us. Oh, yeah. It sounds like you guys need to talk more about ICFs. <laughs>
0: we get we we get two or three questions a day and what's what's really interesting is you know we just so when we do our podcasts we get together and we we do about 12 or 14 of them at once gotcha so i was i was just down in uh missouri with peter and jake and we did i don't know 12 or 13 of them this past weekend and uh and it, we inevitably, when we ask, "Hey, what do people want to hear about?" Somebody always says, "Oh, you should talk about ICFs," or you know, people in the comments, "Oh, I, you should do this out of ICF. It's cheaper, or it's it's a better um, material, whatever." But anyways, I have like three projects on the boards right now, and they're all ICF. So it's going to be a topic inevitably that we're going to have to talk about, and um, so it's uh it's interesting because when the lumber prices went up everybody's like oh i should build icf because lumber costs a lot more it really didn't cost any more than icfs but for whatever reason there's people that want icf houses now and i'm one of them is actually quite big it's closing in on about eight thousand feet of Mm. icf so with a barn and stuff so We're going to have a lot of Lego blocks on that job job site for sure.
1: No doubt. Uh, I'm considering doing an ICF house next year. We'll see how things are going. I haven't, I've used ICF a bunch in crawl spaces and stuff, but not.
0: Yeah. I've used them as Uh. components. I've never used them as the house system. Yeah. Like I, I, and, and most of the time it's below grade because I don't know how it is up where you are, but it, for a long time around here. Eight foot foundations were the norm to go to nine foot was, oh my God, you want me to go an extra foot? That's it, it would cost like 30% more to make the foundation a foot deeper. And so when we got to some clients that said, hey, I want like a 10 or 12 foot basement. And it's like, oh man, now we're, we'd be killing our foundation guys with that request. So we would just move to ICFs because with ICFs, it's okay. We'll just put two more courses a block on it. hmm and the system is the same. And um, I just did a a house that we're finishing up, but it has a 10 foot basement and we use the perfect block, which is an ICCF, um, insulated um, composite concrete form. So it's 100% recycled EPS that, uh, they use to make the block. So you can feel good about that. And it's a 70% reduction in concrete. So you can feel good Mm -hmm. about that too. Um, and we get the 10 foot basement where we didn't really pay a premium for it. Mm -hmm. So, and it, it worked really, really, really well. And I have a couple of clients, they saw the videos that I did for that. Um, and, uh, then they said, "Hey, can we do a whole house out of perfect block? Like, yeah, and we'll just continue above grade and go up to the roof line."
1: I think that they would have been used more here, more, um, more recently, more widely, if the the R value, the that they're yeah. given versus that the actual um, R value, the the effective R value. Because they're rated at R26, you know, for eight inch block. And yeah. then, but then their effective R value is actually like 50. But when it's entered into the program that they use to energy rate our homes in Alaska, it, it's 26 instead of 50. Yeah. And, so and in can't... my
0: mind, it's 26, not 50. You can effective this or an air tightness that I really don't care about that. It's, you know, if you have. Six inches of EPS foam. EPS foam is roughly R4 an inch. You have R24 walls. Mm -hmm. I don't care how you do the math. It is that simple. So, and, you know, that's part of us busting on the ICF world is they have all these, well, this is effective. You have an air film here and an air film there and the air tightness you have to account for and this and that. And it's like, no, take the insulation, multiply it by the R value per inch. That's what you have.
1: One of my subs is going to be yelling at this podcast when he hears it. He's going to be yelling. Yeah, he's going to be yelling at his radio, um, <laughs> or his earphones. When a when a builder disagrees with you, it, with something in your design, for instance, building science, the contractor even client is not on board because the market doesn't support it. You know, you hear these arguments. What do you say?
0: So, you know, it's it's one of those things, and it's again the uh, experience suggests that, you know, I, I take a lot of time in, in having meetings and conversations with the builder. Like, you know, when I, when I put out a, a set for them to price, I tell them, I say, listen, everything in these drawings is an approach that can possibly be the solution. If there's something in here that you think you might want to change a material a way to do it. If you want to use liquid flash instead of tape or whatever the substitution or change is, then let's talk about it now. Let's iron it out before we get past you giving the, the right price, because your price certainly is going to um, be affected by that decision. But it comes with kind of you know, a couple clauses. One, we, we work together and and solve this problem together. And two, once we solve it, we don't talk about it anymore. Right. If we, if we, if we decide, okay, we're going to, we're going to use zip or we're going to use liquid flash everywhere instead of tape. Okay. Let's just not have that conversation anymore. We had it, we're done with it. Let's not talk about it anymore. And it's kind of like, I tell the builders, this is your last time to complain or bitch about something, right? This is an opportunity. And I'm not saying complain or bitch, because that makes you guys, I'm I'm, I'm certainly would never want to paint you guys as whiny babies, because you're not, you're not. I have the highest respect for all the builders I work with. Um, But it's like, this is your one opportunity for discussion, because the process doesn't lend itself very well to continue this this discussion into construction right? That's a discussion that's supposed to be made while you're bidding the project. You come to a conclusion, you price that conclusion, we offer it to the client as the solution, both in fact of decisions, but also in fact of pricing. And then we move on. And that's how we manage expectations, because everybody knows what we're doing and why we're doing it. And, you know, not everybody on the builder's team necessarily needs to know, but at least the owner of the company and the, the estimator or the one that's assigning a price to that needs to understand that, you know, are we are those screws there, are those stainless or not, right? Because there's a big price difference when you're putting up a rain screen system and you said, okay, all those attachment screws have to be stainless and you're buying 15,000 of them. Right, there's a price difference there, Um, or the fact that they're four inches and not three inches, or whatever the case is, or you know, flat how you flash a window. It's it's not uncommon on a project to to have twelve, thirteen hundred dollars in flashing tape around windows on a project. So it's not it's these are all things that can't be taken lightly. We need to we need to have those answers, and so I provide drawings that have a solution that is certainly subject for discussion. So hopefully we never get to a point where we're building the project and they're putting up some tape and I go up there and say, you know, that's really not the tape I expected, right? That That's the conversation that you want to eliminate.
1: Right? Yeah, it's not It's not the first few pages of the drawings that our, the, the builder needs to be looking at. He needs to go to the specs and be like, what what does this mean? Yes. What is right. I need to go into the back of the,
0: but that's even canons. if you're doing, if you're doing a spec house like yourself, right. You, you go in there and you say, that's not the mixing valve I expected in that shower. Mm. Right. Like you have to have that conversation with your plumber. Are you putting in this one, the more econ- economical one, or are you putting in the more luxurious one? Or are you putting the one in the middle of the road? Like, what do you expect? Because for all intents and purposes, even though it's a spec home, you're the client.
1: Right. So, right. And have, the house is, the house I sell is my legacy. Exactly. The people who so, buy it should be able to sell it and say, I built it. This guy yeah. built it. And so you're good.
0: Right. So, so, you know, the deal firsthand by partially by being the client that you can't just let your plumbers run willy nilly willy-nilly, or your electrician, you have to, understand are are you putting in four inch five inch or six inch recess cans in that family room right are they round or are they square um you know finishes all those things you know because you don't want to walk in there expecting to see something and see something else just like me i don't want to walk in on a project and see something else and be like whoa wait a minute you
1: know even even
0: when something's you know i i i The last thing I want to hear
1: on a job site is, whoa, wait a minute. The last thing I want to hear.
0: Yeah. Well, (laughs) and it's like, I I always take the position, like, let's just talk this through. We probably even know the answer, but we need to make sure, right? You need to walk through with the HVAC guy and say, okay, the register for here is going to be right there centered on that window. The register over here, there's a joist in the way or whatever. We're going to kick that over to the side here, or it's going to be here Whatever the case is. But if I just leave them to do it, inevitably I'm going to come in and go, why the hell did they put the register there? Like, so I, I want to have that conversation, even if it's a conversation like, of course, Steve, we're going to center it under the window. Okay, good. But at least now I've confirmed that we're on the same page. And I'm not going to walk in tomorrow and say, oh, wait a
1: minute. Yeah, uh, today in your, in your, post on instagram you said uh this is awesome it really resonated with me you said that failure is not linear and and of course that was in regard to water ingress into this windowsill you know waking up but but what you're what you're just saying it's the same thing if 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 you're not on the same page with with everyone with all the building science with everything then it that failures is, is is compounded
0: well, and, 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 all these, and all these guys, you know, most of the contractors I know that, that I work with, especially like, I, I'll give you an example. There's one that I work with. I've been with him for, I don't know, 26, 27 years. We've never had an argument. We think very much alike. And, and he's the first one to say, Steve, just why don't you come down? I'll have my HVAC guy there. We'll just walk around the house for an hour. Because he knows it is worth everybody's time in that one hour. Then it is when the hardwood floor is in and the grill is in and you sit there and the homeowner says, oh, that's not where I expected that HVAC grill. And now you're sitting there going, OK, we're either going to have a pissed off client or we're going to have to patch that hardwood, cutting it in over here. But if we have the meeting, he knows that it, it might take an hour of his time, an hour of his HVAC's guy's time. But now they know when they put it in, they're confident they're never going to touch it again. And, and there's, there's certainly a value in that. I mean, when I, when I think back of any altercations that I had in my younger years anyways, they were all, I just assumed that the plumber was going to center that on that wall or the electrician would center that light on this bay window. And then you show up and it's like not centered on the window and the electrician's like, well, I figured the table would be over here. So I centered it on where the table would be. Okay. Well, the table isn't going to be there. It's going to be over here. It's a smaller table that we're having made or whatever. And, uh, and, and so it's, you, you, you have to have those, the, the dumb conversations are just as important as the most intelligent building science conversation. Right. Because again, it's, Everybody has their way of doing things. And if if the electrician's going to see something, or the the HVAC guy, he's a he's a good one because his stuff's a little larger. He's always going to pick the the route that favors his installation, right? Oh, it's going to be faster if I do this, it's going to be less cutting. It's going to be easier if I just put that duct over here. And putting that duct over there might not be the right place for whatever you know the, the homeowner has a big piece of artwork that's going over that on the wall there we can't have a duct coming out the wall up there we need to move it down three stud bays or whatever and th- that's the stuff that they don't know until we have that conversation right and i i mean i and i try and when i do know stuff like that i try and put it on the drawings you know some design intent kind of comments like You know, we've we've had homeowners that said, hey, can we keep the basement clear of stuff underneath the floor joist on this side? And so I'll put a note that, you know, this side of LVL beam line, no plumbing or electrical below the bottom of the floor joist. And so they know that it needs to run back the other way, get on the other side of the beam line, and then they can run it underneath over there. But this is the clean part of the basement and we have to keep it as such
1: because and, and that's you,
0: what the homeowner is expecting
1: yeah do you do that do you do that mark with big red or do you have another implement? no i
0: just say yeah, i just put it as a nice bold line in the drawings
1: okay i understand that you designed the house of your co-host on on the podcast Jake, yeah. how'd that go Did you charge in full price or what nobody rate. <laughs> you guys are you guys still Jake, friends or you Jake just, got treated like just,
0: a very good friend
1: okay and you guys are still friends, or are you just doing and it? And we're the still show?
0: very good friends. I oh. I stayed at his house this week <laughs> and had dinner with him and his wife. So awesome. I'm still welcome. Awesome. So Jake's a very good friend. We get along very well. We're very much on the same page.
1: That's That sounds like a fun relationship uh, hearing you yeah. guys talking about stuff. Yep.
0: We have, we have a good time.
1: And it can be super rewarding to work with friends on when, when... it can,
0: because when we both, you know we're both do, we're doing this hilltop arrow project, and we both have done a number of videos associated with that project. It's a pretty cool project, and uh, yeah, you know, at some point we sit back and I'm um, going down there beginning in November, and we're going to do some closeout videos on it, and uh, it'll be very rewarding to sit there and high five each other and say, "Yeah, we killed it. We did a good job," and you feel good about it, and you want to. I think you know it's. I tell people I I. I mean, I think it comes across in everything I do. I'm extremely passionate about what I do. I love what I do. I wouldn't change my job. I mean, my my kids have seen it. Two out of three of my kids went to architecture school. One works Neat. with me. My son has got another year and a half, and he'll be with us.
1: Nate, that's uh, really cool.
0: Yeah. And I I mean, I, I tease him and say, I must have made this look real easy for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, but no, they love it. My daughter loves working with me. I love, I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's probably one of the highlights of my career is to have them say, I want to be an architect like you dad.
1: That's very cool. Cause, cause the next question I was going to ask you is what your favorite project was and why. And
0: I get that all the time. And I tell people, you know, the one with the good client, the happy client, um, But but if I had to pick a project, I mean the the Swafford, the the Hilltop Arrow House is it's one of my favorites because of the the house design, the location, the clients were really good. The resulting design is pretty cool, and I got to build it with Jake. And so I got to share in that success. So, like all the all the boxes in that one got checked off as you know. Mm. 10 out of 10. And cool it, it was a happy place. So it's uh yeah, it was really cool. So, but there's there's been a couple other ones and they don't have to be big. Um, you know, I, I just did a project where we did three, we did a close to a, about a eight thousand square foot house, but we did their pool house and we did a barn. Um, I don't know if you saw those videos on the on Matt's uh Reisinger's channel, but he visited the barn. We did a video of that. Um, it's it's not your average barn like it's a a guys to die for barn Mm. um it's just absolutely gorgeous and uh you know that was a really exciting project but that was also because the 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 site super the guy in charge there was just this this guy brian was just a phenomenal builder and and i actually learned a ton from him on all three projects but the barn, the barn and and the pool house were exciting because they were somewhat non-standard detailing on a lot of things. Like the, the barn was a wooden moment frame that we had cut, pre-cut in Canada and it was pre-assembled, checked, and then disassembled and sent down to us and Brian put it back together and, uh, put it up so the inside of it is it's it's almost like a cathedral of a barn it's pretty pretty cool inside and uh and the pool house that we did was really cool it was on rocky ledge so we had to tie the foundation into the ledge it's in a high wind area so we have all these high wind details we have these crisscross ceiling joists a lot of cool detailing the the shape of it nice materials it had a good budget so everything about it was again 10 out of 10 and you just felt good when it was done you're like yeah that you know it looks good it was fun to draw it was fun to design and it was a treat working with brian on it so i mean how can you not be happy when you walk away from a project with that you know
1: yeah, that's awesome. And that that barn is the one you were posting about like a week ago here in September. Yeah, I, I, that, You
0: put you put the picture of the fence, the pre assembled one of the fence on the ground there. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, that 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 building, that room is amazing. So
0: it, it it came out. It's I love those projects. You know, and I get a lot of those projects when people come to me and say, "Steve, I got this crazy idea." I'm like, "Okay, I'm ready."
1: Perfect. I'm your man.
0: Yeah, I'm your man. You tell me what you want to do. I, I did a project, it's uh, one, uh, one, you know, a, a bunch of projects I do, I can't take pictures of or whatever because of who the client is and that, and so this one project is downtown Boston, one of the wealthiest people in the country, um, they have a couple of townhouses and they were in fear of them sinking, so they said, can we put, we need to... Um, put new foundation walls under the existing foundation walls. So they were, we actually had guys that, a company that would go in, dig underneath the house and pour like four foot sections of foundation wall and and do it. But while they were doing it and had all these tunnels, I was down there with the homeowner and I said, you know, we should just scoop all this stuff out, move all the mechanical equipment down here and reclaim your basement as living space and do a sub-basement. And they're like, oh, can we do that? And I was like, hardest part is paying for it, which is one of my favorite comments, right? It, it's, uh, it certainly wasn't the cheapest project. In fact, it was the most expensive project I've ever done. And I don't think I'll ever have one to compete with it. But uh, we basically dug a basement underneath their basement where the basement of the floor was 12 feet below the, the Charles River water level Mm. so we built it like a double hull boat from the inside and we have sensors and filter and pumps and stuff that if water gets between the walls it uh kicks off the sensor pumps turn on and it pumps the water out so that the interior basement never gets challenged with water Um, so it was a pretty elaborate project but it was a lot of fun because Everything was kind of a new thought, and, and and it forced you to think a little out of the box on how how would we solve this?
1: A project where you have to really get into a new mindset is so refreshing.
0: Yeah, you know, you and, get and have to you get think about it.
1: You get fatigued on clients. You get fatigued on on yeah doing, on on things being repetitive. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's
0: it's funny because even like my wife or my my wife, my daughter, will say, dad, why are we taking on these remodeling projects? Like we have so much new work that we can do. I said, well, a remodeling project keeps you honest and it just, it's a different flavor, right? Doing it. We're doing a whole house remodel for somebody or renovating half of their existing house and putting an addition on it. It's different than doing a new house. And it's some, a lot of times it's very rewarding in that we were able to take this old dilapidated house and turn it into something really cool um so it's you know i take those on just because they become little challenges of we have one now with that builder that i've been shoreline builders that i've been with for 26 28 years and it's a in an old little historic cape that it has some additions on it. it's got probably about 150 years worth of bad decisions. It's in a historic district. So there's <laughs> a whole bunch of constraints to it, but those constraints are what really lead to some pretty interesting opportunities. Once you go through the process.
1: And if the clients are willing to spend the money because those sort of projects and are And they are. These, these people expensive.
0: here search us out. We, we've done a couple of projects for them on their old house that they sold and did very well on and now got this one, so they want to keep the the team together. So, so we're looking forward to that. We just just started that project, so that'll be exciting.
1: That sounds great. So we've been going here for a little over an hour, and and so I'm gonna begin to kind of wind it down. I'm gonna do a little speed yeah. speed round. Just throw a couple things at you to
0: you do. What you gotta do, man.
1: Give um, me my best. Tiny houses, yes or no?
0: I'm not the biggest fan.
1: I, I get it, but I don't get it. Where do you put your stuff? You know, where do you put your shoes? Um,
0: I think, you know, There's... adequate space is good, but like squeezing in a 700 feet, I don't quite get.
1: Or, you know, you know 16 by 10. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: 1200, 1400 feet. Yeah. I'm not. And, and likewise, I'm not a big fan of, you know, 4,000, 5,000 feet either.
1: Right. because what? Because a lot of that space is never getting used.
0: It's, it's, it just never, it's when you start doing spaces for very specific reasons, I provide, I would rather have flexibility than be specific. So I'd ever rather have a big room with a kitchen in the corner and do whatever. If I want to dance, if I want to wrestle with my dogs, if I want to draw, whatever, go sit at the table in the middle of the room or whatever I got to do.
1: What do you think about offsite building? Offsite
0: building. I don't think it's quite ready for mainstream yet. The problem is, is that In in on-site building, you're able to spread out the problem across the field of the building. The problem with off-site building is you take all the problems and you migrate them to the joints. And so I've seen a lot of off-site building. It's like you get there and there's all these steel hold-downs and this and that, and it's like, what's going on here? Oh, it's like this is a joint where the panels are, so we had to reinforce that or do this, and it's like it's not quite there yet.
1: I concur uh i what i see i'm not a big fan of right now yeah i
0: think the people there that i think the people that do illustrate it as being a positive are doing it to pump their own uh, to make money yeah to make money and pump their own muscles i guess
1: my next two questions you kind of answered already but the next one was just gonna be remodels versus new construction
0: i mean new construction is far easier to do but The remodeling makes the mind work a little more.
1: No doubt. I've definitely patted myself on the back a few times trying to take the owner's vision and stuff it into the confines of the dimensions I have, you know, structurally, because you can only do so much when you've got structural stuff going on in a home. Exactly. Historic restoration.
0: You know, it, it has to be something of value. And I, and I think then it's worth it. And It's the the part that to judge value is a challenge. I, the oldest house I ever worked on was a 1690s house. The Mm. original house was built in 1690. And I really commend the builder because he was doing it as a renovation addition that he was going to sell. And we talked about many times, do we just tear it down? And we both said, you, you can't just put a 315 year old house in the dumpster because it's going to save you $20,000. You can't cuz once it's gone it's gone. There there's it's not here anymore. So that's a decision that's really hard. We ended up saving it. We did strip it down to the basic house and then we put a big addition on it. But I think there's there's some value in saving some of the things that we
1: have. Yeah, but we don't have a lot of that old stuff around here. Okay, so why do architects insist on goofy eyewear?
0: Goofy eyewear. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't wear a watch. I don't, I don't, I it's extremely rare. I probably, my wife has probably bought me five or six pairs of sunglasses. I never wear them. I want people to see my eyes. I want them to see who they're talking to. And I want them to see my uh, expression when they ask me a question.
1: Oh, that's awesome. That's so that's I want to be honest cool. with
0: you. I'm not going to hide behind a pair of sunglasses, or, uh-huh. and and likewise, it really irritates me when I see people put on a pair of sunglasses on an overcast day. It's like, really? Do you think it completes your look? I mean, what? Why are you doing it? It's not even sunny out. Interesting. Go ahead,
1: yeah, man.
0: pet peeve of mine. Um, it's it's the it's the military man in me, right? Only only take what you absolutely
1: need because you got to carry it. Bare necessities, just. Lay it out. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for a general contractor or tradesperson from your perspective?
0: Be a team player. And what I when I when I when I say that, I don't mean for you to give in. What I mean is for you to be a good team player, but for you to demand everybody you associate with to be as good a team player. I think that there's builders out there that try and get away with stuff. I mean, you can't you can't have a country full of builders and not have some guys out there that are just trying to squeeze through. Likewise, there's a ton of architects out there that don't do their job. They do half their job and they rely on the builder to do the other half of their job. And that's not fair to builders either. Builders are put in a bad... Bad predicament. I had a the, the builder that I worked for when I was came out of uh, out of the Marine Corps. He was a, a good friend of mine. We went to high school, and I, I've known him ever since we were kids. And uh, when I graduated architecture, I'd go up there. We'd hang out because he was living in the same town that I grew up in, and I would we would head back there often to just go out and hang out with him and his wife. But anyways, he'd. He'd break out a set of drawings and say, hey, I got this new house from this architect. He's like, you want to go through it and just help me mark up some stuff and and go through it? And I would. And I'd circle some details and say, hey, you should get a detail. Tell them you want more information about this detail. This doesn't quite show how you're going to manage water here. You got to get some answers. And he'd say, yeah, I I can't do that. And I'm like, what do you mean you can't do that? He goes, if I go back to them with all of this, then they're not going to give me jobs. And it's like, really? It's like, it's almost like they're extorting you to do their job. And in, in exchange for that, you have to solve my problems. Like, I don't know if this work, this roof, like it, it looks good on paper and the roof slopes would be here, but you figure out how to frame it. It's like, that's a bunch of crap. Right. I, one of the things I pride myself on: every set of drawings that leaves my office has a solution to build it. It might not be the solution we build it. The framer, I've had framers come and say, "Hey, can I just change this, move this?" And you know, I, I, you would usually frame that dormer like this. Is that okay? Sure, that's fine. That that works the same, and it's six of one, half dozen of the other. But I never send out a set of drawings where I tell the framer, "You figure it out." No, I figure everything out because I need to know at least one solution, but that's my job. That's why people hired me to figure it out. And we can have a discussion on, is there an alternative way? But again, just to summarize as, as a builder trades person, everybody, if you're the general contractor, you need to demand collaboration from your plumber, your electrician, and from your architect. And, but you also need to provide equitable collaboration. You need to be there when they say, "Hey, let's have a meeting." You can't be the contractor says, "You know, we don't really need a meeting. I know what I'm doing there. Just, just let me do what I'm got to do." Because the minute you cut the architect slack, now you can't complain for him expecting you to figure out and do his job. So it works both ways. You can't you can't say, "I'll do your job," and then get pissed when they expect you to do their job. So. But And likewise, I, I demand the same of all the contractors I work with. It's like, if I'm going to come out there and I say I want to have a meeting, I expect you to be there, be there relatively on time. I'm not the most timely person, but you can be five minutes late, 10 minutes late, but don't blow me off. And yeah, if the HVAC guy should be there, then he should be there. If we're a team, we're a team. If you don't want to be part of the team, that's fine. We'll, we can find somebody else that wants to be on this team. Because there's a lot of guys that are standing behind
1: you. No doubt, Um, and and you really value building science so much. And now there's the you know there's a generation of well a small generation of builders, upcoming builders. We're definitely short on uh, on people coming into the trades, but but now building science has advanced. It's a lot of what we can do now is not that hard to apply to your buildings Mm -hmm. but there's also everybody doesn't have the resources or 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 know where to go for it they don't know where to look and they don't know if they're looking in the right place
0: it's hard because even when you have as much information as say instagram or the internet in general with information as much bad information comes along with good information
1: Yeah. And, and so, you know, one of the, one of the things that you point out quite a bit with your work is making sure you have water, positive water flow. You want water moving in the right direction. You want moving away. You want to manage it. You want, you want water management and air tightness.
0: And and I'll give you an example, Mike, of asking the right question. I tell people the minute you pull out a caulk gun or a roll of tape, and you think you're sealing off a joint. The question shouldn't be, what am I sealing out? The question really is, what am I sealing in? What happens if water gets on the other side? How does that wall react? Because see, the wall will never rot if, if the water stays out of it. The wall rots when water gets behind the tape and can't get out. That's when the wall rots. So you're not, you're, you're asking the, that's the whole premise of my Midwest builder science symposium was we really need to know what questions to ask. So when you pull out that tape, ask, what am I sealing in? Not what am I sealing out? Sealing out's the easy answer. It's what am I sealing in? That's the one that you really need to understand.
1: And, and just so everybody out there knows I've been nodding aggressively in agreement here. This is, <laughs> and, and, and uh, cause I don't always say I don't always speak and we can't see, but, but yeah. And so that importance and then, and then air tightness, water vapor is controlled. It's, it's low hanging fruit. in your wall.
0: Tightness is low hanging fruit. We, we have the opportunity to build 1.0 or better easy. It's, it's really not that much of a challenge. I know some people say, ask the value full of crap, you know, that, that, it costs a ton of money. No, it doesn't. You just got, you got to pay attention to some, a few details. Pay attention to what you're doing.
1: You know, My insulator and I are always, you know, when the blower door test is coming, I'm like, what do you think it's going to be? What do you think it's going to be? There you it'll go. Be like, it'll be like, it'll be like 0. 0.6. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> go for
0: it. <laughs> yeah. But, I know by uh, you, it really matters because if, if you get an, if you get an airstream carrying a significant amount of moisture, it's going to hit temperatures that are not good for moisture.
1: Oh yeah. We, uh, the houses that were built here in the seventies and eighties during the pipeline boom were just thrown up. I mean, they were built Mm -hmm. with leftover scraps from other buildings, newspaper for insulation, all kinds of stuff. I've torn a lot of them apart. I've never found a big bag of money. That's what I was always looking for, but I found a couple of tools, a couple of hand tools, but. out of gold. Yeah. Yeah. Some gold bars. That would have been cool too, but not yet. And, uh, Um, So in, in terms of that, are you going to like, are you, do you ever teach classes? Would you be willing to teach classes about air tightness? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I I
0: teach all the time. I mean, we, we have the home building crossroads series that's sponsored by a bunch of manufacturers, Peter Yost and I, I mean, pre COVID we'd go out to probably a dozen locations around the country and give day long lectures. Um, You can find us at things like you know, the Midwest Builder Symposium. Both Peter and I are speaking at the International Builder Show. Um, So yeah, we get around. We've we've done some webinars. Um, I don't know. I'm on the Build Show Network. So every Friday morning, a new video goes up where I'm talking about something about work. Sometimes it's about kitchen or closet design. Sometimes it's about how to, you know, do rain screens or put basement insulation in. It's it all depends on what projects I had that week where I was and what video and stuff I captured. So
1: do you think, do you think today we provided a podcast episode worthy of subscribing and, and a five-star review?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And I'll tell people, listen, I'll, I'll even throw in a little freebie. If you got any questions or that, just message me on Instagram. I'll do my best to help you out.
1: And, and, and his hand, Steve, Steve's handle on there is at Stephen basic architect yep. on Instagram. Steve, thanks so much for being here. It's been a real pleasure. It's been awesome. Hey, anytime,
0: man. I'm available. Yeah. I, I could talk about this stuff all day, every day. So you ever yeah, want to but, have me back or whatever, just let me know. I'd love to at your convenience, buddy. We'll, we'll talk about building science or
1: thanks so much, Steve.
0: Thank Alrighty. Thank you, buddy.
1: Hey, if you found value in the content of the show, or some sense of affirmation for what you're doing, please consider writing review on iTunes, rating me on Spotify, or sharing the pod directly to social media from your phone. And remember, the work we do each day, the stuff we make and leave behind, it's our legacy. So create a legacy that matters. All right, that's all I got. Later.